The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Friday, May the 6th. If you're listening to the audio version, if you're hanging out with us live on YouTube at 1 p.m. on Thursday, May 5th, happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Um, we are live every single day at 1 p.m. for the rest of time. <laughs> All of eternity. In fact, the 2022 draft may never end. Uh, joining me to continue to discuss the fallout of said draft, Chris Trapasso, Josh Edwards. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on for like the 50th time. And what's funny that you just said that, my dad, uh, who's a little older, mentioned to me today, this morning when I dropped uh, my daughter off at his house, he's like, why are you still talking about the draft? It's over. And I'm like, well, I mean, I probably have to spend some time recapping it, but I'm, uh, you know, loved all this you know, pre-draft process, covering the draft, but I'm definitely going to not be angry when this week is over, when we can kind of chill out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, we spend months talking about where these prospects may go. We got to talk a little bit about where they've actually gone once That's it's happened. Good point, Josh. Uh, by the way, do you, I mean, I like Josh, do you, do you, do you get a little sense of what Ryan Wilson deals with mentally? Like you guys have been doing this for like four weeks. Right, like like four weeks, you come on like three times a week. Ryan Wilson's been doing it for like twelve years. He might (laughs) be a like he might be a psychopath. Like who would deal with me for twelve years? You know what I'm saying? I would. Well, that's probably why he was drinking tequila on the uh, broadcast. That's one hundred percent why he was drinking tequila at one p.m. on a on a Tuesday. It's like whoa. Um, I did. uh, I did. um, I did see uh, Kyle Stackpole, one of our editors at CBS. Uh, I was like. tweeting with Ryan about like a 13,000 word story he did where he, and he talked about it on the pod. He was, um, he was talking, you know, it was just sort of like, not, it's like recapping, uh, you know, recapping the, um, the draft classes, but Wilson did it in his own like way. Right. You know, he didn't, he didn't do grades. And so naturally everyone was mad at him for every single class. Um, that's not, that's so that's on brand for the Twitter mob for sure. Yes, it is. Uh, okay, we are going to talk about some fantasy options, some landing spots, as Josh so eloquently teased, uh, how guys ended up doing, or like where guys landed that were that were good fits and might work out well for them. Uh, let's start, Josh, with you. And the you know, first running back off the board, Brees Hall. He's like minus 300 to be the first running back off the board. And... You know, the question then becomes how like did he land at a good spot? Is it a good spot for him? Does the scheme work? Is the are they, will the Jets be good enough? 36 overall. There have to be high expectations. What are your thoughts on Brees Hall's landing spot? Well, it was a fantastic fit. Um, you know, going into a situation where he's not going to be entirely leaned upon with Michael Carter to the second there as well. Um, from a fantasy perspective, you would expect Brees Hall to get the bulk of the carries, uh, considering his size. So 
Uh, it's a great fantasy option, but I think it's just an ideal fit from a situational perspective. I mean, he walks in where he doesn't have to shoulder all of the expectations his rookie season. And I think the Jets are probably going to have a fairly balanced offense. I mean, they added Garrett Wilson this offseason to go with Elijah Moore and to go with Corey Davis, and they picked up those tight ends. And you've got this balanced offense now where you can use this wide zone blocking scheme and really open things up for this offense. So I think it's a fantastic fit, not only from the perspective of uh, you know fantasy evaluation, but I think it's just a very natural fit in terms of his talent. Traps, uh, how do you think it uh, it, it works um, for Brees Hall in New York with the Jets? Is, is that a, I'm a, I, keep, I keep wanting to say that Mike McDaniel is with the Jets. He's obviously yeah. not. Um, it is interesting that like um, to a half of the AFC East is being run by Kyle Shanahan disciples. You think they'd be smarter than to go uh, try to mess with Belichick and Josh? Allen. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I think a lot of what Josh has pointed out is spot on in terms of the scheme fit. Um, the only concern that I have, and yes, the Jets did pick an offensive lineman, Max Mitchell, in the fourth round. I'm a little concerned about the offensive line. I don't think it's a bad offensive front, and it's better than what the Jets have fielded over the past couple seasons. But if Mackay Becton is is he 400 pounds, there was the speculation, and maybe it was just smoke pre-draft that he wasn't going to play another down. There were some people that that thought that. Um, I think Elijah Vera Tucker can be a good run-blocking guard. They signed Lake and Tomlinson. I, I just think that the offensive line, we always say that like running backs, efficiency, effectiveness, whatever productivity is directly tied, of course, to the offensive line. That would be really my only concern with Brees Hall not being like amazing as a rookie. I still think he'll be solid. Um, but if it takes time for that Jets offensive line to gel, I think that could lead to kind of a slower start in September for Brees Hall. Uh, someone in the chat. We are live on YouTube, of course. Someone in the chat says Wilson and Breach look weird today. Yeah, who's uh, who's the Wilson and who's the Breach of of uh, Traps and Josh? I guess like Not I don't sure. know. Would Breach wear a Rambo shirt, or would that be more Wilson? Uh, I feel like that would be Breach. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. probably more Wilson. Um, more importantly, George Mountain in the chat. And we, again, we're live on YouTube every day at one o'clock. You can come chat and hang out with us while on your lunch break. George Mountain asks, what do you think about Cook, as in James Cook, as in Dalvin Cook's brother in Buffalo as a landing spot? Tra uh, traps, since you're the Buffalo guy. Uh, I think it's a good one. I think he's going to be way down the pecking order in terms of targets. Obviously with Diggs, they love Gabriel Davis. They kind of sneaky signed Jamison Crowder, who's going to fill into that Cole Beasley role immediately and i think will be a good underneath kind of possession option uh, but the biggest uh area of concern or what fans were clamoring for for the bills running back group last like three years was having a speedster they signed matt breda never really amounted to much had a, you know a few games where he flashed a little but i think with james cook being a low 4-4 guy he's going to be that kind of split out put him in the slot get him on angle routes screen passes uh, I think the fit is good, and it, it's just a matter of he's. it's going to be hard for him to get the ball, at least as a rookie, unless he's hitting 60- and 70-yard touchdowns. But I do think um, that was kind of the Bills addressing receiver a little bit earlier than people were expecting, that he does have that ability to flex out and play in the slot or even out wide. So the fit is good, just not a ton of targets for him. 
Yeah, I didn't love the value in which they took him, but I think it is a natural fit in terms of his role within that offense. Would you, um, would you let me ask you this, Josh? Would you rather have the Bill? Would you rather the Bills have drafted Brees Hall in the first round or James Cook, where they did? That has to be taken into consideration. I I think they made the absolute right decision to take Kyrie right. Elam in the first round and come back with James Cook. Um, you know, you can talk about the idea of taking more of a well balanced running back in the second round instead of James Cook, but with what Buffalo needs, Cook actually makes more sense for them. So I understand the arguments just from where we I had him personally graded. I, I didn't think it was um, – I, I thought it was a little bit of a stretch to be taken where he was. Uh, like super – I mean, it's not a bizarre take, but like here, here's my James Cook hot take. He James Cook is going to be the running back version of T.J. Watt. I'm gonna need you to explain that a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking Derek Watt at first. I'm like fullback. Like, no, he's not gonna be JJ Watt. Uh, maybe TJ Watt's too good. I think he's gonna. He's gonna. He fell in the draft, and the only reason he went as high as he did is people were like, man, he's Dalvin Cook's brother. Like, he he's just gonna be good because like he's Dalvin Cook's brother. He looks and plays like Dalvin Cook. Like Dalvin Cook is incredible. Dalvin Cook fell in the draft. I think he's gonna be good. He's going to be good. And people are going to be like, oh, duh. Of course he's good. He's Dalvin Cook's brother. Why didn't we see this coming? Like that happened yeah, to could... He fell in the draft. And people are like, oh, my God. I can't believe it. Another guy from this family is really good at football. And we just completely whipped on it. That's so weird. I could see him, though, throughout the season, if he does hit some big plays, either as a runner or a receiver, for the Bills to, like, slowly phase out Devin's Singletary and Zach Moss if he's really that dynamic I agreed with Josh I didn't have him as a, a second round talent because I think it's more about his well-roundedness as uh compared to being a really good running back but that's really what the Bills have been looking for and needing in that running back room speed they've not had that during the Josh Allen era in terms of someone that could be a full-time player and I think again if if Cook shows that he can hit a 70-yard touchdown something that Devin Singletary hasn't done very frequently he could be like the running back one by November for the Bills. Yeah, and and one thing to consider that RJ mentioned on yesterday's show is that with yeah, like we're not talking about the fact that Brian Dable's gone enough. You know, I mean, he like mm-hmm. can is Sean McDermott going to take more of a hold on the offensive game planning? Is he going to say, hey, can Dorsey run the ball a ton? How are they going to separate those running back targets, et cetera, et cetera? So I mean, like that's that's another thing. Like when we're projecting what the Bills might do and how they work from a fantasy perspective at the running back position and at the wide receiver position, like we can't. I don't think you can just like blindly assume that everything will just be the status quo because you did lose your offensive coordinator. That's just you know, that's a thing. Uh, also from the chat, yeah. Jungle Goat. That's yeah, big. Who has apparently like, uh, is that an NFT? Looks like an NFT. Looks like they an made NFT. their way into the Pick Six podcast. That's right. As a Seahawks fan, can anyone from the podcast tell me what in the hell they're doing? Uh, this is relevant to today's topic because the Seahawks did in fact draft Kenneth Walker, one of the better running backs in the. Was he? He was the second running back taken too, right? Like, didn't the, yeah. Yeah, right, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that right, Josh? So he's a second running back taken by a team that loves to run the football and a team that is currently employing Drew Locke as their quarterback. Um, to answer your question from a broad perspective, Jungle Goat, I have no bleeping clue what the Seahawks are doing. I think Pete Carroll believes that he can win with Drew Locke doing some YOLO down the field ball, running the ball a bunch, and playing great defense. However, 
I am not remotely confident that the run game will work or that the defense will be any good. They drafted Charles Cross in the first round. He's their, their number one overall pick. Everyone likes Charles Cross, but he's a pass blocking, you know, guy. Like his pass blocking is elite. If you wanted to draft a, an elite running, running, uh, run blocking tackle, it was Icky Aquanu or Evan Neal. Now maybe Charles Cross is great at it. Who knows? Um, you know, these things work out differently depending on, you know, which, uh, you know, like what prospects we're talking about. And things change as they get to the pros. Um, Boy Mafe, great pick. Kenneth Walker, 41st overall, feels a little rich for a team like this, Josh. I don't know. So uh, oh. I, I've had I've had to walk you it hate, back a little you hate, bit. You hate James Cook. You love Kenneth Walker's great. He's great. He is. He was my top rated running back. So I okay. don't have an issue with it whatsoever. I've had to walk back my takes on Seattle a little bit because I wasn't sure what they were doing coming into the draft process. Uh, it looked like they were trying to compete, whereas I thought they needed to rebuild. Um, and this draft class, I thought, was a breath of fresh air. I mean, they took Charles Cross. They took Abe Lucas. You get some pieces along that offensive line. You get Boye Mafe, who is at a premier position. I think he's a great value where they took him. Kenneth Walker, again, my top-rated running back. They've had issues keeping those players healthy in recent years. And as you noted, it's a run-heavy offense. They need bodies in that room. So I had no issue with it whatsoever. You take a couple of long boundary cornerbacks like uh, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen on, on day two and day three. I mean, that's good value. I, I, I actually enjoyed what Seattle did over the course of these three days, and I had been critical of them to this point. Uh, my only question is Pete Carroll has commonly said his, his mantra is always compete. So is this roster going to compete with Drew Locke and Geno Smith? No, I don't think it will. Um, and he did a, an interview with NFL media during the draft and his comments about Drew Locke were not flattering whatsoever. In fact, I came away thinking that it was probably Geno Smith that was going to be the starting quarterback for them in week one, rather than Drew Locke. (laughs) It was not a huge endorsement of Locke whatsoever. He was essentially like, you know, I haven't had a chance to work with him yet, but you know, he kind of led you to believe that maybe what, people had been jumping to conclusions in the media was not accurate. Um, So I am still of the belief that they are going to heavily consider Baker Mayfield um, in the next couple of months, because I can't imagine you go through minicamp with Drew Locke and Geno Smith, and you're hoping to compete and you're saying, okay, these guys can get us where we need to go. Um, But it's going to be an inner struggle because are they rebuilding? Are they going to try to compete for this season? If they are trying to rebuild, Run it back with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Like, you know, let those guys battle it out. If you end up with a top five pick, who cares? Get your quarterback next year. You're in a better comp, uh, better position moving forward. But if you truly want to compete, I don't understand how they could possibly not circle back around the Baker Mayfield before it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to, I tend to agree with that, that it's like, I mean, it, the weird thing about it was they did this, so Baker, there's some like was it Baker one of that podcast or something like Baker's like yeah I probably go to Seahawks or something like that and then the next day he went like we're, we signed Geno Smith it was like f you Baker like no, no 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 you're not you're not coming here we don't we don't we don't you don't come here we sign you and Baker would be like a perfect fit for Pete Carroll I would think too just that like sort of brash yeah. competitive nature make a lot of sense you want to run the ball take some play action shots bootleg him out get him on the move it it, it does make too much sense. Um, for it not to work. It's the whole thing. 
here's the whole thing with the Seahawks that, that I can't like get my head around is that Pete Carroll is like 70 years old, right? I mean, it's, it's like 70 year old adult males or females are not like heavily interested in like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to work for 10 more years. You know, like you are, you are getting to the age where you are thinking about retirement. Now, if it's two years, three years, five years, whatever it is, and he can keep going like Pete, you know, Pete Carroll is, you know, still very energetic and does not at all look his age. Um, I mean, he looks his age, but he's not, you know, he doesn't, doesn't act his right. age, I guess. Um, although he's like 70 for like 20 years. Um, <laughs> at any rate, like, but they don't, it's, they, so they, they, they want to be competitive. And I, I just don't know how they're going to be is my whole thing traps. Yeah. So I had this theory that was like uh galaxy brain idea that Pete Carroll's having, like that he's always wanted to run the football. Like when Russell Wilson was like the most efficient quarterback in football, he was still saying, we want to run the ball, play good defense. Maybe Pete Carroll's just like, let's have a bad quarterback. So I can just say, Hey, our quarterbacks aren't very good. We need to run the ball a lot with Rashad Penny uh, and Ken Walker and Chris Carson and have this stable of big backs that can shoulder like 35 to 40 carries a game. That's kind of what I've thought at this point. I agree with Josh. They should make a play for Baker Mayfield, but if they don't, that's what I think is going on inside the 70 year old mind of Pete Carroll. Like let's just have bad quarterbacks. So we have to run the ball a lot. And that if that's the case, I'm okay with Ken Walker at 41 overall. He was tied with Isaiah Spiller as my running back one too, but I don't think picking a running back at 41 overall is ever a good idea in terms of overall value, unless you're getting a truly like transcendent running back. And I don't think Ken Walker is that type. It kind of reminded me of when the Lions picked DeAndre Swift in the top of the, the second round a few years ago. Like they weren't really a great roster. You shouldn't be prioritizing the, you know, one of the least valuable positions that early in round two. But I think Ken Walker is a good player. Uh, and it, it is kind of hard to tell what the Seahawks are trying to do. Although after the draft, I think like Josh was kind of alluding to that they're trying to be competitive in a watered down NFC this season. Yeah, entirely possible. Um, if you, so if I had to guess on the Seahawks right now from a, a touch distribution perspective uh, at the running back position, <laughs> Pete Carroll looks. First of all, there's two R's in Pete Carroll, but yes, thank you, Stu. Uh, Pete Carroll looks great. Looks younger than Princeton. I mean, no. It's just, I wish I looked like Pete Carroll. At least I'll you spell your last name right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You, you missed up Pete Carroll's last name, but you got my last name right instead of Benson or Bunsen or what Brunson or whatever people usually write. Um, I'd sign him like I'll. I would swap bodies with Pete Carroll right now. <laughs> like, give me seventy Pete Carroll versus forty Brinson. <laughs> Believe me, buddy. <laughs> Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll's in much better physical condition than I am at this point. Um, but from a running back touch perspective, I think that Chris Carson might be done. So, mm. like neck injuries, they have, they have Travis Homer. Backs, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's true. It's not a bad. Like, why, I mean, like you draft Kenneth Walker and bring back Rashad Penny. Chris Carson was your bell cow. And I like, I mean, Chris Carson's great, but he's 27. You know, he no interest uh, anywhere else. Like, I think, I think they are worried he won't be able to play in 2022 right away. And as a result, that's why they wanted to draft Kenneth Walker with one of those two, those second round picks. I mean, like neck surgeries are just not good for football players. Like you can't play True. football if you have a, like, a major neck issue because, I mean, frankly, it's 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 very very not safe. 
Um, so I, I think I would be worried about that. Um, and by the way, uh, we should point out Jungle Goat noted in the chat that um, his, the NFT there is actually uh, Knights of Degen, which I have seen. I had seen that before because friend of the podcast, Cynthia Freeland, has been on the show multiple times. Actually, a live Cynthia was on live from the Super Bowl one time. Um, and generally awesome person. Uh, she is involved in that project as well. So, yeah, I can't get myself. I wish I'd bought like a board ape, but you know, didn't miss the chance. <laughs> Probably not going to buy any more NFTs ever again. I'll let Debo do the NFT buying. Um, anyway, from a touch distribution, I would say that I bet it could end up being like 60 40 Walker Rashad Penny because I just mm. don't know. I mean, Penny was awesome down the stretch last year. I'm just not sure that he's. Like that's gonna be like he's gonna be a full, you know, ready to be the full time guy and stay completely healthy for the full course of the season. And I think they know that. That's why they that's why they invested heavily in Kenneth Walker. They are worried that Carson and Penny won't make it a full season, and then their whole plan will just fall apart. Uh, over under four wins of the current quarterbacks. Five and a half. Five and I was gonna say six and a half, but yeah, that was, might be yeah, a six and a half rich. or five and a half. Would you take over? Would you take over under on six and a half? I think under. under, under. Yeah, probably. It's a tough yeah. division. Yeah, Board Ape Yacht Club, a few hundred thousand dollars for one of those apes. What are we doing? Wow. My word. By a picture, I mean, I, I, I let Wilson rain on the NFTs. Um, Knights of DGEN for less than a thousand dollars. I don't know if, um, I don't know if I'm ready to talk my wife into me buying a picture <laughs> of a, uh, it's uh, over under six at uh, at Caesars, by the way, with the over uh, minus one thirty. Hmm. Six is probably like a like if the Seahawks won yeah. six games, I wouldn't be shocked. Which is, yeah, that, that seems right. That's an indictment of the Seahawks, though. I guess. Uh, okay, traps. Isaiah Spiller lands with the Chargers, went one twenty three overall, and Snoop Connor shortly thereafter one fifty four overall with the Jaguars. Which one is more likely to have a uh, a impactful fantasy slash statistical production in 2022. I'm going to go with Snoop Connor of the Jaguars. I think Isaiah Spiller is, is definitely the more talented running back, but obviously Austin Eckler is kind of standing in his way from being like a premier fantasy guy with Snoop Connor. Here's kind of my thought process that you have a new head coach in Doug Peterson. The GM Trent Baalke was uh, part of the organization when they signed James Robinson as an undrafted free agent in 2020. And of course, part of the Urban Meyer brain trust that selected Travis Etienne in the first round. But I think we always see head coaches want their own guys on the field. And now Doug Peterson was a part of the team that, or the uh, front office coaching staff that selected Snoop Connor in the fifth round. He's dynamic and he's a power back. He's a one cut slasher that if the Jaguars do want to incorporate more zone running, zone blocking scheme, stretch runs, wide zone type plays, like usually what was run in Doug Peterson's offense in Philly, I think Snoop Connor is the exact guy that could emerge as this next late round pick in Jacksonville. Um, are they going to be in running situations very often, trailing a ton? Probably not, but the Chargers, if we're kind of comparing these two backs, uh, threw the ball 63% of the time last season. It was the fourth highest pass rate in football, and you have Justin Herbert. So you got to think this is not going to be a super run-heavy team. You have Austin Eckler, although I do think Spiller will help 
push Austin Eckler into more of a slot role. Eckler ran over 400 snaps as a wide receiver or ran a, a route last season. It was the fourth highest among all running backs in football. So I think there's a, a, a spot for Spiller to produce, but I actually think Snoop Connor, the fifth rounder, even behind a thousand yard back and a former first round running back actually will be the better fantasy producer because he's talented. And I think Doug Peterson will want him on the field more. Yeah, that'll be tough. I mean, it's a tough situation for both of those young players because of the depth, the depth at the running back position, Um, the chargers, you know, you've got Justin Jackson there as well, I believe. So Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't as big of a fan of Isaiah Spiller during the process, just because I didn't think he played that fast on the field. Uh, but he does give you a different element than what you get from Austin Eckler. So I could see him uh, being that second running back for Los Angeles, whereas I still think Jacksonville is probably going to feed carries to James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Um, they almost have to with Etienne just because of the investment that they made last year, uh, mm-hmm. especially with Trent Balky still there. I mean, he's he's obviously has some uh, attachment to that selection. So I would probably lean towards Isaiah Spiller of the two, but – um, a situation where they're probably going to go in and provide depth immediately and then just fill in depending on how injuries and stuff affect the depth chart. Yeah. Um, both, you know, like I think both are worth like flyers for sure. You know, if, if you're drafting a fantasy and, and they'll probably go higher than you think in, in like dynasty drafts. But, um, you know, the, I think Spiller especially because that was yeah. kind of a well-known name. Yeah bigger name and like Austin Eckler is Austin Eckler is elite, but it's very obvious that they are willing to utilize Eckler in a more pass friendly type of fashion and to, you know, and to like, like let somebody else sort of try to be the, you know, like they, they, they need depth at the running back position. And then the Jaguars are sort of a wild card because of the Robinson thing. And I'm sure you guys touch on this as I, as my internet crapped out for the 50th straight day, um, you know, like, we don't know Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson never really had a bell cow. Doesn't lean on one running back a ton in his time in Philly. And the guys that he has between Robinson, ETN, and, and now Snoop uh, don't like profile as somebody who might just magically take over that spot and dominate. I mean, even shoot, even in the Super Bowl win, what is it? Corey Clement catches the touchdown, right? And I mean, like, you know, all kinds of guys that they're utilizing. Uh, they were utilizing in Philly. I think I would expect it will be a similar setup in Jacksonville. Uh, all right, Josh, wide receivers. Traylon Burks to the Titans, 18th overall. Sky Moore to the Chiefs at 54th mm. overall are two really mm-hmm. interesting names for guys that can be heavily utilized this season, maybe for different reasons. Like yeah. Sky Moore could just be the slot guy in Andy Reid's offense from Jump Street, and that would make him a monster. Traylon Burks, I'm just not sure he can't not be productive based on the like what's around him. That's exactly right. I mean, you kind of made my, made my argument for me. You've got a situation in Tennessee where Sorry. he has to take <laughs> he has to take on the uh, touches left by AJ Brown. I mean, there's just an easy vision to see how he would be used in that offense um, as a guy that can be used at or around the line of scrimmage. But I think he also works well on a vertical plane. So you're seeing a guy that can be used at all three levels of the field, and they're going to need him to produce. Um, so I could see him having a larger if, if you're doing a 
If you have a full points per reception, I'm probably leaning towards Traylon Burks just because I think he's probably going to get more opportunities. But I also think that Sky Moore is a player that's going to create a lot, a lot of opportunities for himself in that Kansas City offense. Um, somebody that can make plays after the catch. Somebody that is working with Patrick Mahomes now and is going to be put in a position to succeed. And I think he's the best wide receiver on that roster already. Uh, he's a guy that's going to come in and command shares from day one. So uh, it was a great value for Kansas City, and I think he's going to make a big impact on the roster this season. Yeah, one thing on Traylon Burks, uh, the Titans, I mean, we're talking about Burks and Sky Moore. The Chiefs and the Titans are the two teams that have the highest amount of available targets from last season. So, And, and with the Titans, actually a higher percentage, 67% of – the Ryan Tannehill targets last season need to be replaced. So I think I totally agree with Josh. I liked Sky Moore a little bit better than Traylon Burks, actually, in just term in terms of him as a prospect. But if you're looking from a fantasy perspective, even if, of course, you know, you like Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's uh brain uh more than what Traylon Burks has in, in Tennessee, there's just more targets. There's there's more footballs that are going to be thrown Traylon Burks away. Don't disagree at all and we've seen plenty of times with Andy Reid and wide receivers where they don't make an impact right away I think it's just part of learning the offense and getting on the same page with the quarterback I mean I'm trying to think the like maybe Jeremy Macklin had a big rookie mm. season but yeah, even like did. Deshaun Jackson um I want to say Tyreek Hill I could be dead wrong about Tyreek Hill though Tyreek Hill's rookie season he had he was pretty good, but I think it was mostly late yards. in the season. Yeah, it's not a ton, I guess. Six touchdowns, but like, I mean, I would guess that, I mean, would you take over Sky Moore, 593 yards, six touchdowns? Mm. A lot of mouths to feed there, man. I mean, like, that's, I mean. Yeah, there are. Is, like, it would be, he might have a ton of catches. I mean, Tyreek Hill finished 61 catches, 593 yards, six touchdowns. Like, that's not who Tyreek Hill is as a player from a statistical perspective, he only started one game. Like any, if you're expecting sky Moore to go for 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns, you've lost your mind. Like that's just not going to happen. One caveat though. That was with Alex Smith in that rookie season. That is true. That was the difference. That's the only difference, but yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think in that Tyreek Hill rookie season, a lot of his production was later in the season. If I remember that correctly, it wasn't, out of the gate, we knew Tyree Kill was going to be amazing. It was like, oh, this guy's a pretty good gadget player. But that happened in like November and December of his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, Tyree Kill was not like not like there was no chatter about Tyree Kill for rookie of the year. That's no, all, that's all I'm saying. Like, no. if you expect if you're expecting Sky Moore to just to just come in and be Tyree Kill, yeah, you're a lunatic. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back. We'll answer one. Oh, sorry, Josh, did you want to say? I was just going to say with 17 games, that's about 39 receiving yards per game now. So, I mean, it's it's certainly reasonable, um, but I think you do have to temper your expectations with a lot of these rookies. Yeah, I mean, for, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not saying, look, he could be, he could have a great season. He could win rookie of the year. I just think when you have that many mouths of feeding KC and a system that is designed to distribute inherently, it's like, he, like he's, he's probably going to be a great player because Andy Reid drafted him. But, you know, like, anyway, let's take a break when we come back. We answer more chat questions and talk about impact rookies next.
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay. DM Mark 42 wants to know, Brinson, who's oh, the Falcons? What? Uh, he's just setting you up to say Jordan Davis right here. Oh, is he tricking me? <laughs> who's Brinson? Who's the Falcons have really drafted at number eight, especially with Michi, Mechi, Michi, Mechi Pickens, and more all on the board in the second round. I mean, Jordan Davis, obviously. Uh, they, <laughs> very clearly, they had their eyes on Drake London the whole time. Yeah. And I, I, um, yeah, I mean, like they, they, that's who they wanted the whole time. I agree. And even though Garrett Wilson was my top rated wide receiver, I think. You look at the situation now where you have Drake London and you have Kyle Pitts. Um, that gives you kind of a unique mismatch when you're going up against other teams. Whereas if you have Garrett Wilson, yeah, he's a fantastic player, but you suddenly don't have to worry about the size on both sides of the field. So um, while they do have their deficiencies on offense this coming season, I think that does give them a little bit of leverage on that side of the ball. One thing that I'll say about that, which I find a a little interesting and maybe concerning about Falcons GM Terry Fontenot. Last year, it came out when they picked Kyle Pitts. I think there was like a draft video where Terry Fontenot was like, nope, we are picking Kyle Pitts. We knew from the get-go. We're not fielding any offers. We're not trading back. That was almost like hard-headed to me, especially for a first-time GM. And I think, Brinson, you're right that they – and like we've said, they were zeroed in on Drake London and like that was it. They weren't going to pick anyone else. Um, I, I don't think we got that draft video of when they made the selection at number eight overall, right. but what this person is, is pointing out DMART here. I think that's a good point that there was actually a run on receivers in round two guys that were, uh, pretty highly regarded that they could have gone maybe in a different direction, Jordan Davis, um, or added to the defense in round one and then picked a receiver in round two. It's just kind of weird that with two top 10 picks in a row, they weren't really dealing with any other possibilities they found their guy probably in january or february and then we're not going to move off that player yeah i mean i don't it, know if that's the best way to go about it no i mean like uh yeah i look 
I, I agree. I agree with you. Like, I, I don't like the, I like to be a little more flexible and, and you need to have multiple pathways to whatever your like, decision-making or in the draft at the same point, you could also, you know, if you wanted to play devil's avocado, you could say, Hey, this guy, I he, like, he's not, he, he locked in on who he likes. He's got yeah. conviction. He's rolling. I can see it. that. No, I, I, I understand. Uh, okay. Traps. Uh, Romeo. Is it dupes? Dubs. 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 Yes. Go get right, the dubs. Josh, you're the pronunciation guy. It's dubs, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah it's dubs. Josh, like you idiots. It's dubs. Uh, <laughs> Remy Dubs and Charlie Kohler, uh, two yes. pass catchers that were taken later in the draft that you kind of like. Uh, dubs by the Packers and Kohler by the Ravens. Uh, talk to us about their uh, the possible impact that they might have. Is Kohler the guy that they feel like basically has wide receiver tendencies, or is that the yeah, other tight end that they took? No, that's Kohler. I. Th- think right i i watched that video from their director of college scouting i think that's he compared him to mark andrews was talking to da costa about it the other is isaiah likely isaiah likely yeah who's more likely to be a receiving back likely or kohler uh i think kohler is a better wide receiver uh i I actually compared him pre-draft to mark andrews i i think his route running ability his uh like how he separates in his routes catches everything and that's with a corner draped on him a linebacker down the seam in the back of the end zone the, the contested catches high point ability i think we're all very reminiscent of mark andrews mark andrews is probably a little better after the catch but i think kolar has the athleticism to be that type and it feels like the the ravens want to be more of a two tight end set team they haven't really had the personnel the past couple seasons uh nick boyle's mostly a blocking tight end and they didn't draft a wide receiver. So it's like Rashad Bateman, uh, Devin Duvernay. There's a few kind of randoms at the bottom of the roster now that you traded away uh, Marquise Brown. It's really Mark Andrews, and I think now Charlie Kolar could get a lot of targets um, as a rookie, and I just think he's talented. In terms of Romeo Dubs, Christian Watson, of course, trading up for him in the second round. He's that big play guy, kind of jet sweep and go route. Like That's where he won at North Dakota State. He's got 4-3-6 speed. I think Romeo Dubs is really good down the field too. And I think Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best deep ball throwers in football. And that's kind of the Matt LaFleur system to run those stretch plays and then play action, take those deep shots down the field. I think what we saw at Nevada from Dubs catching passes from Carson Strong in 2020 and this past season, he's a legitimate vertical threat that tracks it very well. I thought that was great value in the fifth round and he could be kind of that MVS in this offense uh, after they lost him to the Chiefs. Um, just real quickly, uh, just to clarify. So, co- is it Kohler? Kohler. Kohler? Kohler. So, likely is the guy that they believe is more the wide receiver tendencies guy um, because they were they wanted to take Calvin Austin with the likely pick, and then mm. the Steelers took Austin, the pick, before them, and so they pivoted to um, – Likely, but I mean, I think you know, obviously, both guys they like, and they took um, Kohler first. Uh, yeah, let's throw up uh, offensive. Some we got some uh, offensive rookie of the year odds. I want to point out that, and this is not just a Caesars thing, because I've seen this everywhere, and I understand we're just a few days removed from the draft. But you know what? If you gotta have, you gotta throw odds up. At least make them reasonable. This is ridiculous. There are six, there are five guys under 10 to one to win offensive rookie of the year. And there's like 20 guys under 20 to one. And I'm not, again, I'm not complaining about our wonderful partner here at Caesars. I'm complaining about the trend. Look at this. 
This is ridiculous. Desmond Ritter is 16 to 1 to win <laughs> offensive crazy. rookie of the year. He's a third round pick for a team that is going to win maybe five games <laughs> and is not even the starting quarterback and has accuracy issues. And his best pass catchers are Kyle Pitts and Drake London, first and second year players. Like, I'm not trying, it's, it's, it is, it is silly. Like, Why they're is it doing like the that, Super Bowl, too. Everybody does it with these odds. First round leaders with golf odds. It's ridiculous. Like, be reasonable about it. I'm sorry you got torched on a couple futures, but you can't <laughs> just scale it all back and make it all under 20 to 1 because you don't know what's going on, but everybody's got to have odds up before everyone else because it's the big thing now. <laughs> Matt Corral! <sighs> sorry, I'm done. Um, it just drives Where's me nuts. Matt like, like, okay, I mean, like, the realistic odds – like, is it likely that one of those six guys wins the award? I mean, maybe, but it's not. They shouldn't all like those guys should not all be under ten to one. Like, that is not the actual correct implied probability of of what should happen in this. Having said all that, would you bet any of these? Um. Wow. Uh, I wouldn't bet any of these under ten to one. You can't. I wouldn't. Can you scroll down a little bit, Debo? Is there like Drake any London other... five to one? Uh man. Malik Willis, maybe, twelve to one. He Malik Willis is very likely not starting. Maybe Chris Olave at plus twelve hundred or Christian I, I Watson. Guess, like, what, but plus, like, what does he have? To, what it's not. It's not, not big enough. Yeah, like eleven hundred yards and ten touchdowns. Yeah, and he's got Michael Thomas there. I yeah, I don't really. There's not anyone, especially at these odds. Like your Sam Howell uh, was out. a fifth round pick. On a team that gave up a multiple draft picks to select a veteran quarterback, granted we all agree that Carson Wentz stinky poo. <laughs> Sam Howell's twenty five to one to win offensive rookie of the year. Like what? Hey, what are we doing? Yeah, it's nuts. Sorry, I just I'm there's finally snapped and lost it. There's not any. I don't know if Josh sees any, but there's not. Especially like you're saying, Brinson, and I agree at these odds that are like, oh, this really stands out because you're right. Yeah. If if Sam Howell's pl- uh, plus twenty five hundred, then I don't know what we're doing. I mean, here. Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, and Sam Howell are all not starting for their teams right now, as of right now. So maybe this is a set like these guys. The odds will fall when these guys start being officially named backups. Yeah, but you know what? Just don't give us any odds. Nobody needs to put up odds if it just just like just to protect yourselves. Like it's ridiculous. Anyway, all right, let's uh let's talk defensive guys. I don't need to keep ranting about this. Josh is like, please, my old man. Sir, <laughs> this is sir, this is a Wendy's. Uh Josh, Kyrie Elam, Devontae mm. Wyatt, Logan Hall, your top three sort of defensive impact guys. Elam, of course, taking 23rd overall by the Bills. Wyatt, 28th overall by the Packers, and Logan Hall, the first pick of the second round. Uh, somebody that clearly the Buccaneers locked in on. Uh, how, how do you see these guys fitting in and, and being day like you know day one impact uh, defensive players? Yeah, Kyrie Elam, a big physical cornerback that can play in man coverage. He can play in zone if you need him to. Uh, opposite Tre'Davious White, he's probably going to be targeted this year, so he's going to have opportunities to make plays on the football. Um, we've seen how studious he is from his plane ride to Buffalo and his interview with the Bills at the NFL Combine. So. Uh, you would think that his transition to the NFL maybe is not as steep as it is for uh, other cornerbacks coming into the league, but I think he's just a very good cornerback. He was my third rated cornerback in this draft class um, because I think he's got those man coverage skills. So I think he translate very easily to the NFL. I also liked Villanova cornerback uh, Christian Benford, who 
Buffalo took later in the draft as well. A guy that has all the traits that you look at um, as a developmental prospect. So I like what they did in the secondary. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, I think, just allows you to use Kenny Clark the way that you would want to use him. He's going to be able to see the field early. He's probably not going to put up the stats that um, some of these penetrating defensive tackles do, like one I'm about to discuss. But you can see his role in that defense and how valuable he would be to the success of players like Rashawn Gary and uh, Preston Smith behind him. And then finally, you've got Logan Hall, who, you know, they've got Vita Vea. They've got this big run-stuffing interior defender. And now you've got Logan Hall that can be that three technique to apply pressure on the opposing quarterback and get a little bit more pressure um, in that defensive front. So I like his fit there for that defense. You can see him making more of those splash plays than some of the other interior defensive linemen in this class. Um, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Travis. No, I was just going to say those are off on a, t- on a totally different tangent. <laughs> it's all good. Those are really good picks. One thing I'll say is being a Buffalo guy that, that why I think Kyrie Elam is, is instant impact too. That number two cornerback role was manned by a former undrafted free agent, Levi Wallace. The bills got a lot out of him. And then last year, seventh round pick Dane Jackson was pretty good in that cornerback two role. And as will knows from his time in Carolina, I think, Sean McDermott's defense is pretty time-tested to, to be pretty good in terms of getting the most out of their secondary members, that you don't need elite talent and you can still get quality production, but now you insert Kyer Elam, who is an elite talent that ran 4-3-9 at the Combine and will check all those athletic boxes. I think he could be in for a big season. And I love Logan Hall. I think he's going to be – he's someone in – I don't know where the odds are for the defensive rookie of the year. I feel like next to Vita Vea – with Shaq Barrett along that defensive line on a good Bucks team, I could see Logan Hall having a ton of pressures, uh, getting some sacks individually, but also having some cleanup sacks, just playing next to those really good players in Vita Vea and Shaq Barrett on that Buccaneers defensive line to garner some defensive rookie of the year hype uh, later in the season. And then uh, two uh, traps that you had that are a little bit, you know, Further down the draft board, Perion Winfrey, defensive tackle mm. for the Browns, drafted 108 overall. There was, I mean, I we were hearing, or I guess maybe you heard chatter about him going 33rd overall. Obviously, that seems uh, far fetched now. And then Tyreek Smith at 158th overall for the Seahawks. Yeah, Josh picked a Bills guy, so I'm returning the favor and picking a Browns player. I think just think Perion Winfrey's exactly what the Browns defense needs. And Josh could speak to it more, uh, but just to have Miles Garrett. To have other pieces on that defensive line, they also drafted Isaiah Thomas Perry and Winfrey's teammate from Oklahoma, who I think is a good edge rusher, later in the draft. Uh, they just needed that penetrator. I think that's been an issue. We've seen those videos of Miles Garrett getting blocked by like two and three defenders at a time. To have someone that can just get up the field. Perry and Winfrey's not uh, Aaron Donald with his pass rushing moves, but he's just up the field quick. The first step quickness, the snap anticipation, I think are tremendous. And then Tyreek Smith, you guys talked about the Seahawks draft earlier. I liked Boye Mafe. I think Tyreek Smith is just as ready as a pass rusher to be good in the pass rushing specialist role. He's got the handwork, uh, decently bendy. He was actually a little bit more productive this past season. And then if you count 2020 and 2021, then Boye Mafe was in terms of generating pressure, like 16% of the time that he rushed the passer, he generated a pressure at Ohio State the past two seasons. That's like almost in line with what Aiden Hutchinson did over the past two years at Michigan. So I think Tyreek Smith will be kind of that late-round Seahawks um, edge rusher who was ultimately productive, especially because he doesn't need to be the guy right away, having Boye Mafe in front of him that's probably going to get more opportunities as an early-round pick. But I think Tyreek Smith will be productive 
um, just in a pass rush specialist role in Pete Carroll's defense. Thoughts on those guys, Josh? Well, Cleveland simply needed some help along the interior defensive line, so it really didn't matter who they were going to take at that point in time. I was kind of hoping that (laughs) Travis Jones might be available to them, but Baltimore, of course, uh, made a sound decision and got to him a couple picks earlier. So um, Cleveland needed to upgrade the interior defensive line. Uh, Winfrey is a guy that you know was fantastic at the senior bowl. If you get that player, you're getting a steal on day three of the NFL draft, but I thought his film was inconsistent. I didn't think it stacked up to what we saw at the Senior Bowl, so that was a little uh, disappointing. His teammate that you touched on, Isaiah uh, Isaiah Thomas, I loved him. I mean, I get I get suckered in to these heavy-handed uh, edge rushers like I did Adi Ogundeji last year out of Notre Dame. I think they're yep. similar kind of players. Um, yep. And then to touch on Tyreek Smith, Smith, you know, he's a once highly regarded recruit coming out of high school. You know, they were always hoping that he would – eventually break out and be the type of player that they expected of him recruiting him out of high school. It didn't quite reach that point, but you see the traits that maybe suggest that he was worth a flyer for them on day three. And uh, if it ends up panning out, you've got a, a great value at a, at a premier position. All right. Good stuff. By the way, um, Oh yeah, defensive rookie of your odds. Sorry, I was gonna. I keep like I can't stop thinking about this Jerry Jones showing the draft board to reporters after day Love one of the draft thing. Like the athletic John Machota, uh, friend of the show. For the pod has um gone through they the athletic basically enhanced the photos zoomed in and figured out who the top who thirty the top thirty four names on the on the uh, on the Cowboys draft board were fourteen first rounders and they said that after the draft right like it checks out they, they the Cowboys have done this like seven times <laughs> in the last ten years Jerry's like no no, no I, I swear to God we had Tyler Smith ahead of, ahead of uh, Kenny Green I'm trying to here and he's like I swear to God I showed him and, and Stephen Jones like Dad put that down please like, Mike McCarthy was not happy either like they were more the whole the whole room was like again <laughs> it was like a solid five seconds before anybody was like eh, maybe you should put that down like, there <laughs> are still guys available on that list man. The worst part about it is that their top two players are headed to a division rival is uh, what I took from that with Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal were their one and two ranked players, and the Giants got them both. And it's like, (laughs) even if, like, like you couldn't have gotten them, but you know the Giants are sitting there like, you, like, thanks, thanks. (laughs) Appreciate it. You think these guys don't know that? Uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year Award, speaking of Kayvon Thibodeau, he is second. Uh, Again, I know you figured it was going to be like this. Caesars and whoever else puts these out. There are six guys. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it again, but like six guys at 10 to 1 or better. I mean, and maybe even more. Trayvon Walker, five to one, Kayvon Thibodeau, four to one, Aiden Hutchinson, three and a half to one, Devin Lloyd, Jermaine Johnson, and Quay Walker, nine to one. I, I don't see how you can bet any of those guys. Um, certainly Thibodeau, like sacks matter for the defensive rookie of the year award. Statistics matter. So you need to be somebody who can generate those stats. Um, Trayvon Walker didn't have the stats in college. Victor Garcia in the chat points out, where's Kyle Hamilton? Let's scroll down a little bit, Devo, just see if Hamilton can't be more than 12 to 1. Stingley, like, at 11 to 1. I mean, like Jordan Davis at 12 to 1. Do you know how hard it will be for Jordan Davis? A D-tackle, yeah, hard. A defensive tackle to win offensive defensive rookie of the year award? Like, he'd have to go Aaron Donald. To do it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Aaron Donald's probably the last defensive interior defensive lineman to win. Uh, yeah, it's usually edge rusher or corner. We got Darius Leonard and Luke Keekley, but besides that, 
at a linebacker. You, it's, it's, all about, it's all about the productive stats that you can put together. Yeah. And so I think you want to have an edge rusher more than likely if you don't have a linebacker. That's why we like Jordan Davis last year because he could pile up tackles potentially. Um, so I think Trayvon Walker, I know, again, didn't have the stats in college, but he's, um, you know, you you got six games against the t- uh, Titans, um, Colts, and well, I guess Colts have a good offensive line. But anyway, you get the Texans twice. He's going to they're they're uh, incentivized to make sure that he has a productive first season so they don't look like idiots for passing on Aiden Hutchinson that everyone told him to take. And he's going to have you know, he's, he's, you know Josh Allen's out there. So he's not going to be the focal point of that defense. Whereas, uh, you know, I think Thibodeau and, and Hutch are probably going to be, you know, like, you know, when teams are game planning for those guys, uh, that's what we're looking for. I do think Thibodeau could just be a monster and people just sort of like got in the draft mindset to allow him to fall where he did. Any thoughts on uh, who you guys would take? I would probably. How about that Kyer Elam? Or no, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. I, I, you know, I do the, the, the offensive and the defensive rookie of the year race each year, uh, tracking so it on a weekly basis. Um, and what I have found is that it is typically an edge rusher that averages nine sacks or more per season. Uh, so that's kind of what you actually have, for. like you actually have like impactful information for this. For this, <laughs> yeah. So do I see that from any of these rookies? I think Kayvon Thibodeau probably has the talent to reach that point. But like you said, he's going to be keyed on in that defense because they don't have somebody opposite to him that's going to take away some of that pressure. Uh, so I look at and Traps isn't going to like this, but Jermaine Johnson the second is a guy that I don't think has quite the ceiling as a Kayvon Thibodeau, but. I can see a situation where he's getting cleanup sacks with Quinn and Williams and Carl Lawson in that scheme. Um, For sure. And he's going to be an impact performer from day one. You know, I, I don't think he's got the same ceiling as some of these other guys, but I do think he's going to be a guy that can hit the ground running from day one. So maybe that's somebody that I'm looking at in terms of a value perspective, but steer clear of the linebackers uh, unless they're going to be used like a Micah Parsons. That's just not going to work for you. Uh, cornerbacks, traditionally, you're not going to get the type of production that you need. So edge rushers is typically where you want to splash on early um, in, in the process because that's where you're going to get the most value. Yep. Uh, one um, one guy that I think could actually be a good value. I'm just kind of surprised. Boy Mafe is 40 to 1. Wow. I mean, I'd, he'll have right? a lot of things, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. George Karloftis is another that I would look at because you've got Chris Jones that mm. can take some of the pressure off of him. Frank Clark, if you get him to bounce Kitty? back a little bit. I think they're going to key on him too much is the only thing. I, yeah. I don't know that they have enough yeah, they don't. there to kind of take the pressure off of him. That's that's fair. Yeah, like he's not going to come in to be like the guy. Like a, yeah, the, I mean, now you do get to play Jameis and Sam Darnold slash Matt Corral four times. Not only that, you there have you to consider the offensive tackles in each of these divisions yep. as well, because that's where the true mismatches uh, lie. So if you're talking about a, a guy like Jermaine Johnson again, um, you're going up against New England's offensive tackles. You're going up against Miami's offensive tackles, Buffalo's offensive tackles. Um, histo- you know, in, in recent years, oh, Miami has been a, has been a uh, offensive line that you could exploit a little bit. Um, you know, New England has been pretty sound as long as they're healthy, but. Uh, and then, you know, Traps can talk about Buffalo a little bit more, but I think it's a solid unit overall. No, no, I think I agree with that completely. All right, let's get out of here before we get to the hour mark because, you know, 
Devo has this union gig. It's just a whole thing. He's really starting to lean on me about it. Um, just kidding. Union's great. Whatever. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button on your audio feed. Hit the like button. Uh, subscribe on YouTube as well. Make sure you uh, turn on alerts. And for Traps, for Josh, I'm Brinson. We will see you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.